speaking of people borrowing your gear, uh, I think I think the most egregious version of that I've ever heard is uh, Crystal Castles borrowing X Wolf Parade keyboard player Haji Bakara's uh, microcorg because they didn't bring a keyboard, uh, and and we're just basically like, can we borrow this? And then fucking smashing it. <laughs> Like five minutes into the set, just absolutely so destroying for, it. Well, he got me for too. those Being listening like, at home. This episode began about three minutes before we started recording because we were just talking, and we were just talking about the kinds of uh, people who in bands who you know maybe it's like a drummer who doesn't know how to load out because suddenly when it's time to load out, he just starts talking to his friend for thirty minutes, or the kind of guitarist who has to borrow an amp from a different band, and uh, to have this enlightening conversation here we've got josiah hughes he's a music writer he's a podcaster he does uh, globe hell warning blink 155 so uh josiah what kind of what kind of people do you know who either ask to borrow gear a lot or won't help load out <laughs> i mean i think i think i would be disingenuous if i didn't admit that i've been on both sides of the spectrum in my life for sure um, but I can remember actually speaking of like some CanCon shit, and I'm sorry, I know it's been turning into a CanCon podcast. Oh, I'm so sick of this guys, awful country. I know we've had. <laughs> so I almost hate it worse than America now. <laughs> we are America's number one Canadian <laughs> yeah. music podcast. I know. Well, man. usually I turn podcasts into Christian music podcasts, so you should be thankful that I haven't gone there. Oh, <laughs> we did that last yeah. episode. We were. It was exclusively true, about yeah. Christian music. Uh, but I think there's this legendary uh, venue in Vancouver called the Alf House. Uh, and when I was growing up, Alf? my friends, yeah, like named after the, uh, the whatever. The guy he, who eats the, cats? The puppet? What kind of creature is the Alf? Actor. I don't even know. I think he's I an Alf. I think he's a dog. He's like a I Yorkie. Think, <laughs> I thought you said a god, which is also too. possible. <laughs> uh but yeah, there's this place called the Alf House that's been going on forever doing punk shows. And um, in high school, I played in like a fake kind of the locust ripoff kind of band in my head. I think it's like just bad metalcore, actually, when I listen to it now. But I played in a band like that. <laughs> nice. Uh, and my friends played in a band called Fun 100 that is like my favorite band of all time still. Maybe just because they're my friends. I don't know. But they're like a sick pop punk band. And we played at the Alf House together with this early up-and-coming band that was touring and headlining called the unicorns uh and they borrowed Ooh. one of our amps and they spilled a beer into my friend's amp Ooh. and he was like like because there's usually people who are like chill about it and don't care but whoever you borrow the amp from is always the guy who like is so uptight about his amp too and he was yeah. so pissed like, he was like ready to fight the unicorn it's such a yes, funny definitely. mentality of like I'm begrudgingly going to be nice and let you do this, but I'm going to get mad about anything that happens. I think I think what it is is that you can, if you're the one who's on the other side trying to borrow, you can you can smell the weakness of who's kind of not not strong enough to say no. One hundred percent. Because was it was it Nick or Alden that's built? I don't there? remember because I feel like I was like 16 or 17 at the time, and for me that night I was like fuck these guys and so when they like blew up and i was a music writer i was like i'm not gonna listen to them so I, like i only heard it like a couple years ago that one record and it's good oh, funny i think on that tour uh just as a piece of trivia uh the unicorns were touring cross canada in an unheated rv that they were sleeping in oh, man. amazing 
Um, yeah, I don't remember who did it, but it, it definitely held a grudge forever. And then I was, I mean, I probably knocked over the beer also. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> it's probably nothing. You know, when you're a teen, you just, it's, it's us versus the world. <laughs> yeah, that's what sticks with you now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I think it's the fault of the venue. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Maybe their beer should yeah. be so easy to tip over. These punk houses are not up to code, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Where were the where were the stagehands? Where was, where was the the beer catcher? I would love to see like a a house show that, but you insist on setting up a barrier. Yeah, you show up with like a tour rider. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you, you, sh- you show up with two of your friends who have like dreads and amoebics patches, but they're also wearing those like ninja costumes. To, like, <laughs> like move your shit around on stage. Uh, I saw a tweet today from this venue, and like it's a really sad time obviously and i feel really bad and i really do miss going to shows and i like hated i'm I'm like 35 now i was like over going to shows 15 years ago but i was like starting to enjoy it again because we just moved to montreal so it's kind of sad that they can't have shows but then i saw this venue today tweet like when shows come back no more sneaking in beers and no more guest lists and no more uh you know hanging out around the back or letting your friends in no more shows less than ten dollars like just kind of like what? I feel like now is not the time to be scolding everyone yeah. Wait, what? What? why can't Getting you have rid fun? of the good stuff <laughs> why would you why would you post that now yeah. when your when your business is like definitely gonna go under you know like, it's like just you need community support like yeah. fuck that's insane was it casa del popolo no it wasn't but i'm not gonna say the venue i'll tell you later but All it right. wasn't that okay <laughs> curious mm. it's i think i do think it's a really good year to be a scold it's like school it's your it's time to shine <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely <laughs> in the music industry too. It's good to it's good to scold uh, people who uh, pay you money to keep your uh, to keep your dream alive. You know. <laughs> yeah, Josiah, I'm glad that you're getting into some like teenage stories there because I feel like uh, you're saddled with this now. Now that you've done the Blink 155 podcast, you got to talk about Blink and pop punk and shit. So we're going to subject you to that conversation that you've had already a trillion times. You know. <laughs> Unfortunately. I got to say, it's the only area where I feel comfortable is just, like, being a teen forever. <laughs> if you make a podcast just like about the guys something, in you don't ever get to complain about having to talk about it. You're locked <laughs> in for life. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah I was I trying mean, to think of, like, my own... Like, I was never, like, a huge pop-punk guy, but I always listened to, like... You know, I just listened to whatever the fuck was on the radio then, so I listened to at least the singles of, like, all those big bands, you know? And um, I, I I was trying to think of the most embarrassing story that I could tell. And I was kind of remembering how, like, when all that stuff was happening is when I was in, like, middle school. You know, it's, like, right around 2000-ish. And up until that point, I had mostly listened to stuff like, you know, Dr. Dre and Eminem. Like, that was, like, my wheelhouse. But then I started getting into, like, pop punk from that world. And I just remember this time when, when the Sum 41 CD came out, when, like, Fat Lip was, like, a big thing, you know? I bought that album and I was listening to it like all the time, had it on my like little disc man and shit. And I just remember listening to that and my friends being like, Hey man, what are you listening to? And I was just like, I don't know. It might be kind of too heavy for you. <laughs> Cause like most of my friends weren't really, really like rock people, I guess. So I was just like, man, it's pretty fucking heavy. I don't know if you get it. <laughs> I mean, there's some, there's some riffs on there for sure. Crunchy guitar. Fat Lip is a great song. 
I don't know if that album really is all killer, no filler, though. <laughs> yeah, that's a kind of a bold claim. Yeah, it does have a couple really, like other good singles it. on it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting that like Canada was once the holy land of pop punk, like after Blink One Eight Two, yeah. pretty much. We had, I mean, the ones that you guys have never heard of, maybe Dan's heard of, but like this band called Not by Choice. They were like yes. fucking sick at the time. <laughs> and I think there was a band called Social Code from Canada that like yep. in the wake of uh, Avril Lavigne, they were like trying to pop off too. Um, and then there was like the pre sort of pre uh, like overground acceptance of pop punk bands like like Gob, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I mean, who are. Go ahead. I don't want to step on your gob take. Wait, gob? Yeah, there's a there's a band called Gob that had like a huge hit. Uh, well, actually, now I'm thinking maybe it wasn't a huge hit. Maybe it was just on much music all the time. Um, I played like the. Uh, I am so sick of this country. I played like the. the, the, the <laughs> I the hate fr- this awful cold country. <laughs> the, the, the first ever show I played was was like opening first of seven for Gob oh, in. In uh, just outside of Duncan, British Columbia, and they had a they had a big song called "Jump in a Lake." Well, the song's called "Soda," actually, but the Ooh. the chorus. Oh, okay. I think it's. Okay, I think it might have is... been. It might have been. I want to jump in a lake. Uh, sun shining down yeah. on the beach in the summer. Is that it? I don't even know. Actually, I I think so. I can see the video in my mind, but the, when I think about the music, it just there's nothing you know so like gob is absolutely like my whole thing is like i grew up simultaneously being so pretentious and also loving christian pop punk at the same time so i've been like (laughs) my brain's been fucked the whole time like my first some of my first cds were like after like kind of my early columbia house shit when i was a kid like like i would be listening to like mxpx and simple plan and godspeed you black emperor at the same time kind of thing so it's like i've kind of been like (laughs) all equally good (laughs) exactly like equally valuable uh yeah but but i think so i think like like for example my favorite blink one to release is the enema of the state demo that is only leaked online it's like super lo-fi and i feel like oh i never heard yeah that. it's like so sick like if you thought that because when i was a kid i thought enema of the state was way too overproduced and like disgusting sounding at first um so if you listen to that it, it is it's, but it's this, like the demo sounds like it's like straight to tape kind of shit like it's sick have you ever noticed that in the first few bars of dumpweed they fuck it up i actually haven't like in the first thirty seconds, they fuck up the riff. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know who's doing it, but they fuck it up. <laughs> it's got to be Tom. Probably, yeah. He was thinking about UFOs and he got distracted. <laughs> Dude, that's like, or he saw he saw one out the window. That's one of the only songs we have left on Blink One Fifty Five. Is Aliens Exist? Because we've been saving it for Tom this whole time. Uh, and he's just constantly telling us, his people are constantly telling us to wait till the Angels and Airwaves album comes out. But like he keeps putting it off, and I don't know. Like I'm playing, I'm trying to play hardball with. But my main press <laughs> contact is his uh, to the stars alien research company. So it's just one of many, <laughs> so cool. one of many very surreal things going on in my day to day life. Of just kind of like, uh, <laughs> uh, you got to be. He's really sure that those are out there. I know. Like that's the thing. I thought Aliens Exist was kind of like a take me to your dealer kind of ironic you know when when i first heard it i thought he was being tongue-in-cheek but he really meant it with that one yeah <laughs> it's a nice idea but it's probably just military planes 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to search within myself to figure out what I really think about whether or not aliens exist by that time. But there are some guys out there, but they're probably like a million light years out there. Yeah, they're definitely not like. Like, why would they go see Tom DeLonge? Although, I guess that's what I would do too. Probably. They no heard reason. Enema of the State and they thought it was overproduced. So they were like, we got to get those <laughs> demos. They wanted to find the nurse on the cover. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But yeah what I was going to say is like, to, so to me, even Gob Soda is like the hit. Definitely. That's like, if you mentioned Gob, people say, I want to jump in a lake. And it's a sick song. Yeah. But I was always like, oh, I like the S scene on TV split that they did with another Joe. Or like, I like like deeper Gob cuts was always my, <laughs> like, I'm like a very pretentious <laughs> pop punk fan for some reason. It's a very bad idea to uh, base your life on that identity, I think. Did you ever listen to DBS? Yeah, a little bit. The, that, like, Lynn, Val- Lynn Valley hardcore band or whatever. They're all, like, North Van kids. I know, like, Jesse Gander, the singer of that band, has become, like, the go-to producer in Vancouver, obviously. Yeah, um, and yeah then that's right. And then Andy Dixon, who played guitar in it, I, I was really obsessed with his band, The Red Light Sting, when I was a kid, because I was really into that, like... Uh, like like I said, the Locust or like the Blood Brothers or all that kind of stuff, like like the Spock Rock or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the yeah. White Belt kind of music. Um, but Spock Rock is good. Yeah, <laughs> like with the uh, sideburns that were really just part of your hair. Like. <laughs> yeah, and then you like when you listen to music, you just do this like limp wristed gun fingers kind of thing. <laughs> I feel like it's really like yeah. the start of some of the worst things in pop culture happened at the oh, at the hall shows. Absolutely. I was going to. Um, that, I mean, that whole scene just kind of bubbled up uh, in a weird combination of like San Diego and people listening to like the Second Nation of Ulysses record, but being like, ah, we don't like the music, but they look cool. Yeah, you know? like what? In the, like, I was watching that new Charlie Coffin movie, and there's the part where they start name dropping uh, Guy Debord and the Situationist movement. I'm like, I already heard all this shit when I was listening to the International Noise Conspiracy. Like, I don't need to yeah, hear totally. this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like v- VSS, I feel like, is responsible. That band VSS oh, is yeah. kind of res- responsible for uh, so many, like, <laughs> otherwise stock hardcore bands that had, like, a Juno in them, you know, like a Juno 6. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I loved like, that shit when I was a kid. And, in fact, I didn't get into, like, bad jock hardcore until I was older because some of my roommates were, like, into that stuff. So then I started going to see, yeah. like, like, cheesy Vancouver varsity jacket hardcore bands. And I love that shit. I still listen to music like that. I mean, I listen to like New Terror albums now. Like, I just love yeah. it. It's just like so funny and and cool at the same time. And so I think I really do love hardcore, maybe even more than pop punk. But I don't think I could ever be a a hardcore kid because I see that it's funny at the same time. And you have to pretend it's yeah. not funny to be. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that website? Your scene sucks. in the mid 2000s I was thinking of that recently every so often I'll see something or hear something and it'll like trigger a synapse and I'll remember one of those archetypes From back then, it's yeah. All that I wonder what that guy's up to. We should get him on the show. All that kind that of stuff great. is like the precursor to the modern internet. Like that's why personally, I'm not a huge fan of the hard times. Even though I feel like I should be. Maybe it's just because I've become the guy that ever. There, there'll be one article or meme every day that like 300 people send to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like some Tom DeLonge oh, shit. Oh, yeah. So I have some opinions on that website. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like they're. There are definitely some funny people writing for it, but it's also very, like, inside baseball about being, like, a 40-year-old 
aging pop punk guy where it's just like them like navel gazing about like how they feel about their own identity and right. it just like stops being satire and it's just like <laughs> 40 year old guy feels sad at pop punk yeah totally <laughs> it's like this is just about you <laughs> That's oh, my man. my read of it was not maybe that's because that's basically who I am too but my read didn't go that deep but I just thought for me I feel like it's just like women be shopping for merch is basically how yeah. I see it like it's just kind of like <laughs> I think the level. truth is that it's just like any website these days where everyone's a freelancer so some of it's funny and some of it's not depending on the individual Exactly. But like, like, I mean, yeah. it's pretty much the same jokes are being spread across the hard times and uh, Reductress and the Babylon Bee. Exactly. Yeah. Different. <laughs> Go the Babylon, Babylon Bee. <laughs> there is a dark. Oh. There is a darker and worse version of uh, hard times, and that I got exposed to over the last couple of years through uh, through like operators and wolf parades, front of house and tour manager, which is. Like front of house roadie, uh, sound tech, like Facebook groups sharing sharing memes with each other, and it's just like if you imagine the hard times isn't funny at all. <laughs> so like so like any meme that was popular, uh, I don't know, like a year ago, they're doing those memes, but they're like uh, the my feeling when the singer asked for more reverb in the monitor. Uh, Are you talking about? Uh, did Rena share this with you? Uh, Re- uh, Rena isn't so much the uh, the offending uh, party. Because because we uh, do the, the other woman that I work with, who I love very deeply. But <laughs> we I'm do, just like, but we do have a, I'm just we do have I a mutual I, friend in in Rena, and she's a front of house person as well, right? Is that the all I know is that yeah. like I, I know Rena pretty well, and I see her tweets. And for the longest time, I was like, why is she always saying "fuck out of here" on her tweets? Because she wrote "f o h" front of house, <laughs> front of house, baby. It's like <laughs> I'm working faux. Yeah. Like Rena does not talk like that in real life at oh, all. Oh, you thought yeah. I meant my man's dick front of house. <laughs> so there's a satire website, like a fake news website that's just about being a sound guy? Uh, no, it's not a website. It's more like uh, these very large group DMs of like, uh, you know, because oh, it's, well, it's a small. That's more understandable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but Because t- you have to have those in jokes, but it like, it shouldn't make it out of like. That community, right. yeah, you yeah. Think yeah. The one just, person in that community niche. that's moderately funny, so you just kill when you go in there. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Andromeda strain. You have to contain it to, uh, to you know, the facility. <laughs> Can't get out to the public. I would love to see those memes. Actually, I do love some hyper-specific memes, especially if I don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, you should just have them projected at Wolf Parade shows. <laughs> 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 yeah, I yeah I, I do like seeing the specifics of people's jobs and stuff because yeah. that's where you really understand what it's like, like those specific gripes that they have. That's where you can kind of like get into their mindset a little bit and understand them better. Yeah, it's like the window it's, into it's their true, the window into their life is just who what is the other girl that that guy is looking at while the other girls behind his it's this it's his girlfriend yeah. or whatever what is this yeah. butterfly that the guy's looking <laughs> yeah, at yeah exactly yeah. well for, for me it was kind of weird seeing seeing these uh seeing these like memes and like uh this sort of tone of, of this stuff because like i am the person they're complaining about and I, you know <laughs> It's like it's all basically like oh, musicians suck shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Fair enough. I'm I'm sure. Like I'm sure. I I feel like uh, I feel like we're pretty good 
to our uh, to our crew, you know. So it's a little offended. the bass player in a Canadian indie band that was at my venue uh, asked for the the bass to be turned up, <laughs> and I I want to kill him. I hate him. I'm gonna have him killed. He yeah. should die. <laughs> here's should here's the uh, address of the hotel that we're staying at. <laughs> That feeling when Dan from Wolf Parade asked to have the vocals turned up in his monitor. Dan from Wolf Parade spilled a beer all over the the console. <laughs> right, yeah. Came over, came all yeah. the way up to the front yeah. just with a beer and just psh, There was like electricity that, sparking up from each of the, the channels. They did donuts on the lawn with their tour bus. That feeling when Dan from Wolf Parade told us we can't take 45 minutes out to go to Whole Foods because uh, Amazon won't let them unionize and we might as well just go to Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really sorry. My cat has decided to come visit. A, a, he might be purring into the mic right now. I don't know if you guys. Can oh hear yeah, yeah I'm hearing a little purring over here. here. Oh, yeah, this is Woody. He's here. He's here to interrupt everything. Um, have you guys ever seen the TV show called Roadies? No. No. It is. Is it I Canadian? So. It's not. Well, I mean, it's not. But <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I'm just trying to get rid of the cat here. So. He, Fucker. Um, it's it, it was shot in Vancouver in its entirety, but they ch- they dress up the venue to be like a different city every night. Um, it's my favorite. I think it's my favorite TV show ever because it's like truly the most uncanny thing. Like like to me, A Star Is Born. I hated it at first, but then I've thought about it every day ever since because I can't figure out if it's good or not. But I just can't stop thinking about it. And the show Roadies is kind of like that too. It's by Cameron Crowe. Um, and it's about like a group of roadies who are support this kind of like fake counting crows type of band or something. Hmm. Um, and like the cast is like, uh, Luke Wilson, Carla Gugino or something. And then machine gun Kelly plays like a roadie <laughs> that got fired from the Pearl Jam tour. Cause he like told Pearl Jam to change their set list and they're like, fuck you, you're fired. So he joins their tour and like every day the, maybe it's front of house. I'm not sure someone has like a song of the day, but anyways, the main premise of the show is like, they don't have an opener every night of tour. So they're always trying to like last minute book someone. Uh, and it's always like, <laughs> like super like pace magazine level, like like lower rung pace magazine indie kind of bands opening for this fake Ken and Crows band. And there's an episode where Mark Maron opens it. And Oh, and Dwight Schrute, that actor, he plays like a snobby music critic. It's so painfully unfunny and bad, but also just about like, kind of like music is my life kind of thing. Um, I just like, I think about it all the time. I might even start watching it for a third time tonight. Cause I just can't stop. Wait, thinking so about it's it. a bad show. I don't know. Like, that's what I'm saying. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think it is bad, but also like there's something about it where every episode ends where you're like, I just need to keep going to see what's going to happen to these. What roadies. kind of bad is it specifically? Cause there's so many kinds of bad. That's what I mean. Like I, exactly. I've never seen this kind before. It's like. It almost feels like a sort of schmaltzy, like Friday Night Lights type of show, but then every once oh, in wow. a while a joke will land, but also then it goes <laughs> back to being like group hugs and also like deep musical knowledge. Like there's something about, they mentioned the name of a, oh fuck, I wish I could remember. They mentioned, I think they mentioned Cleveland or something on the tour bus. And if you mention that, you have to- From th- Family Guy? <laughs> they do mention Cleveland from Family Guy. <laughs> The city is named after him. (laughs) They renamed it in like 2015. I will say Roadies is an overwhelmingly white show, so I doubt they were talking about Cleveland from Family Guy. Um, 
But they do, they mentioned, I can't remember, there's some superstition that's a real thing. They mentioned the name of a city, and then because someone said it on the bus, Machine Gun Kelly's like, oh shit, and then they have to like drive to the actual city and throw eggs on the ground because some crew members died there once or something. This is a real thing. I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I've just never really met anyone else who's ever seen the show. Um, but I yeah. Is I, anyone watching this except for you? I I mean, my wife and I like love it. Like it's it's kind of I guess it's kind of like some kind of monster in the way that it's just like so fun to watch, even though it's such a disaster. But I don't know. I've honestly never met anyone else who liked it, and it's also a really tough. This sell. is just like a delusion that you and your wife had, and it doesn't exist. <laughs> it might be. Machine honestly, Gun Kelly's name in the show Machine is Machine Kelly's Gun Kelly, <laughs> but he's Kelly. not the same guy as himself. He's a fictional Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> he doesn't talk. I feel. I feel like it might be similar to the Motley Crue movie, which also has Machine Gun Kelly in it as Tommy Lee. <laughs> where it's like never heard of that. very stupid, but it's also uh, very entertaining. It's just like, and it does kind of it gives you a little bit of a window into what that world is like. Yeah, even though you know it's just the most bullshit version. We st- we should do an episode on that. It's a very stupid movie. You know what else we should it's, do? Yeah, it's I with, see uh, it. Machine Gun Kelly making a woman squirt across the room at a party. <laughs> That's so stupid. That's like the first 15 seconds. Machine Gun Kelly is definitely the celeb we all deserve right now. Oh, yeah. He is Tommy Lee. He's just a very lanky, stupid guy. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I like have to like kind of read music and film blogs all day for my job because I just kind of, I work for a music and film magazine. Uh, Today there was this quote of Machine Gun Kelly talking to Howard Stern about his beef with Eminem a few years ago. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm more like this kind of guy, and he like pretended to put his arm around someone, and then he's like, "I'm not this kind of guy," and he like put his hand in a stop sign. This is like while he's seeing a radio interview. <laughs> God, that's so fucking lame. <laughs> what was with that video of him like jumping on the table at a oh, corporate board so meeting? So good. I love that. I actually showed that video to Nate Roos, who I know has been on the show before, and he was like. I can see one of my closest friends in the music industry sitting there <laughs> trying not to like bury his head in his hands. <laughs> it's so good. I think there's a new Machine Gun Kelly album out this week that's like Travis Barker produced it all or drummed on it all. It's like him trying to do a pop punk oh, album. So now, now I got to deal with this shit in my fucking life. Yeah, Travis Barker <laughs> loves playing drums for shitty rappers. Like we needed the Soldier Boy remix and shit. Yep. Yeah, and he doesn't really add anything to it it's just like i'm practicing to this yeah because on blink (laughs) songs he does we i mean i've coined that on new blink songs it's especially at like a quiet part he can't just sit still so it sounds like he's loading a dishwasher in the background and just be like (laughs) so fucking ridiculous but but then he'll go on rap songs and just do like four on the floor like yeah it's like why did you do this other than i know But also loading a dishwasher like he's like like he's just fidgeting at the kit or he's doing a bunch of like shitty fills and stuff. Yeah, like it's, it's, or he's doing dishes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, when on mic when uh, so when we started Blink One Fifty Five, there was one hundred and fifty five songs, and they've released a full album since then. And so the night that we knew like a new single was going to drop, I just like made a really quick fake shitty Blink One Eighty Two demo and leaked it on our YouTube just kind of for fun. Um, and I just like. Like, their last album was produced by uh, 
John Feldman from Goldfinger who loves to make everyone just sing whoa all the time. So I just kind of did that <laughs> on top of like a super generic pop punk chord progression. But then I put like a actual audio recording of a dishwasher being loaded in the background. It sounded exactly <laughs> like it. Um, and it got like, like it got honestly, like I feel like it got like 30,000 hits or something. It's like people were so mad. The Blink-182 Reddit fucking hates us. <laughs> yeah, but Reddit sucks for any band or show, so... It's you, true. You, they who is on you. that subreddit? I don't know. It's like people who just like, I mean, I think a band like Blink-182, what's interesting about them is what's interesting about any band that's been around for a long time where it's like, it's fun to talk about how much the new stuff sucks or like how good it could be or, or to sometimes enjoy the things that are good that are new. But, but there are just, all their fans are like the kind of people who just, you know, they're against haters or whatever. But I don't think... I don't think you're really properly appreciating something if you're not hating lots of it. Oh, yeah, totally. I can't understand being a Blink-182 fan in taking yourself that seriously. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, the band themselves. Like that band with those songs. Yeah. Take <laughs> off your pants and jacket. <laughs> yeah. You got to take them seriously, man. <laughs> like treating it like it's radio. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people do. And I think like the, the self-titled record from... 2001 or whatever. I don't even remember dates or names. 2003. You should know <laughs> this. Yeah, that's when it's from. I don't, I'm like forgetting everything the more I do this shit. It's like, because it's, also our podcast is like three hours long every week. Like it's just, it's a fucking disaster, <laughs> you guys. Please save me from this. <laughs> but that. You that, have to get them to stop making music. That's, I know. Well, and, and then you can stop. We have like, almost caught up to their music. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens if if we actually do but they are that, all older than you so at some point it will end that's true yeah. <laughs> i just need to kill them yeah, <laughs> yeah. but Parody. alex saying that uh imagining blink 182 taking themselves as seriously as radiohead i think they should do that where like actually that's what angels and airwaves is yeah exactly. but even that's not enough like i want to see like tom delong i want him to see him write a song that's in like five four time and he's like sending his vocals to like a bunch of pedals that Travis Barker has next to the kit. And he's like twisting a delay pedal for time to long. And it's like, they need to go full Radiohead. But you know? I don't think you realize that they do try to do that kind of shit. And they think they're do like, they had a song on one do of they their, really? newer, they had a song on one of their newer releases that was like in such a fucked up time signature that they named it after the time signature, but the time <laughs> signature, but the time signature was just six, eight. I mean, that's not even like, <laughs> Wait, are you just, serious? What? Yeah, they called the song six, eight. Oh my God. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, like a wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> what? Oh uh, man. That's so good. <laughs> oh my Lord. <laughs> so good. I mean, it's wow. also just like an endless well of things to uh, talk about. So that's the good part. But the bad part is <laughs> people just think you're a hater. But I've always been like that. I mean, I don't think you're really engaging with an artist if you don't like. No, you I'm have also, to be able to make fun of the things you like. Like, that's the point of E1 also, where there's plenty of like some episodes are making fun of despicable people we hate. But then other ones are making fun of the stuff we like the most, you know? Exactly. That's. I mean, maybe that's why yeah. it hurts so much, too, because you really like, know how uh, to get to the core. <laughs> Like yeah, Nexium. I don't. There's nothing yeah. I really like like that I can't make fun of at all. There's always some way to make fun of something, even if it's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like some years. This was probably like six years ago now or something. But 
I freelanced for Cards Against Humanity, like back when it was a thing, kind of. <laughs> back when it was um, cool. I thought you were gonna say back when it was cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, but um, they were kind of like that in my experience of like when we would make fun of like Weezer and David Foster Wallace and shit. None of those ones ever got into it because they were like, no, we don't want to make fun of that stuff. It's like you should <laughs> be making more cool. fun of that shit, man. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'm also so contrary in that I just like whenever a new Weezer album comes out, I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to like this no matter what. And I did I that just, for like, years, but I had to give up on it, man. I thought I thought the White album was like super sick, actually. Well, Weezer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I don't. I. The last time I gave them a chance, I think they had that one album that was good with the, with the really stupid meme cover. It had. Um, Foolish Father on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Yeah. That was a great song, even though it's just kind of a Pinkerton rehash. Yeah, I love that. But after that, I just, I just, I don't have time. Dude, so the, the last time we talked shit the on them album. on this show, people were telling me to listen to the White Album, and I never did it. So maybe that is the only <laughs> redeemable one they've done in 15 years, but I don't know. I mean, I, okay, first of all, I think every piece of shit Weezer album usually has like one okay song or something. I think it's, but again, I understand if you don't have the time, but I will say the White Album is so good. It, it, to me, it almost sounds like what I wish that band Coconut Records would sound like. I don't know if you ever listened to like Jason Schwartzman's like power pop thing, um, but it just, it sounds like expensive power pop to me, which I love. Yeah, I mean, I'll check that yeah, out because everyone, I love that too. everyone seems to say yeah. that's the one to check out. But I think the problem I wish is... Rivers Cuomo would just like go solo or just have a different band or something. It's really unfair when bands just keep going for the entire lifespan of the members <laughs> because people are supposed to do different projects. But Weezer's too big, so They're they can't supposed stop. To be in like, the same band. He's never done anything besides Weezer that had any traction, so he just, like, is addicted to it. He did release some demos as Rivers Cuomo that were oh, pretty Oh, yeah, good. there was some good—he did, like, two albums good of stuff. them. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was— never I, He never released a solo album, though? Well, he, he kind of did, but they were all, like, demos. Oh, okay. But it was yeah, better it was than name, most yeah. of the Weezer albums at the time. Apparently, I've never listened to it, but people have explained it to me. But his episode of that Song Exploder show is like, I guess he was so hurt by the reaction to Pinkerton that he just stopped kind of actually like writing personal lyrics. And he has some sort of weird method where he like has different f random phrases in a spreadsheet and he just like pulls them at random. <laughs> yeah, the shows, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was paying way too much attention to those reviews. Yeah. In 1996. And that's what's ironic. Just don't read the reviews. It's man. ironic that people don't love get that better album. In like two years. Like they love that album more than almost anything else he's done, and he's afraid yeah, to do it. Yeah, they retroactively gave it a ten. Sometimes you just got to roll with the punches and exactly believe in yourself that I uh, made a good album, and I don't care if Rolling Stone gave it a three and a half. That's what I like. I was always a huge fan of the band Pedro the Lion too, and they used to always get awful reviews, and then everyone would kind of like realize that the albums were sick after. It's uh. That's more Christian rock, Pedro the Lion. It is more Christian rock. Well, post-Christian at this point, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that was... Oh, yeah. Pedro's Peter and the Lion is Jesus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's all Christian. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, though. Like, do you think that... What about someone... What if you're just like a person? Like, what about like Neil Young? Like, he, he releases so many dog shit albums, but then every like 10 years or so, he does something sick. I think, though, he had such a high concentration of great albums in the first, like, 15 years that it carried him a little farther than Weezer. 
I mean, I'm very generous to Weezer. Where I think Maladroit's good and the Green Album's good, but that's like four Keep albums Fishing in one is decade. a fun song. Yeah, it's you a guys good song. Go just, just listen to the White Album. I'm telling you. But okay, for, I will. I will. For me, it's just the I find the the bass player that replaced Matt Sharp is so fucking punchable looking that that's the one thing where I'm like, oh, uh, Scott Schreiner, yeah. <laughs> I my theory is that he's the one who's getting horny on the Weezer account. <laughs> the official account. <laughs> Like, if you look at a picture of that band, like, <laughs> and you say, who is the one getting horny on the Weezer account? We do need to open an actual investigation into this. We What's happening, yeah. back on, What's happening on the Weezer account? I don't know about this. I only know Rivers, Rivers Twitter is, like, seems to be just, like, completely random shit. But so they're, this getting, is, they're getting horny. In an early episode of this show. I have some, se- I have some information that would support the uh, new bass player uh, being the guy getting horny on the uh, Oh, yeah? On the, on the account. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly, I feel like I've heard that a different. I, I feel like I've heard that a different member is pretty horny too. But um, what are they doing? Well, so this all began on this show when Derek talked about how he knew a girl who got DM'd from the official Weezer account hitting on her. Who's <laughs> <laughs> one of the members of the band who's not Rivers? <laughs> and then the story came back up a few weeks ago when Robin was on. And so now it just keeps coming up again, and we might have to actually investigate now. That's kind of amazing. We need to find out. Using the official we need, Weezer account. We need to pivot Nickelback this. did that, too. <laughs> we need to pivot this po- podcast to be, like, true and on, but for the, like, finding out if the Weezer <laughs> bass player is horny. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing girls love, that's it's the contemporary Weezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great move, using the band account. <laughs> Especially if you're the drummer. Yeah. And never or letting on player, which, which it certainly you are. is. <laughs> Wait, does Wolf Parade have a Twitter? Yeah. Do you, yeah, we do. Are you in there? You have the keys? I got the fucking I got the keys. I got the keys. I uh I stopped posting um just That's like how he met his partner. DMing <laughs> her from the band account. Yeah. Anonymously. Yeah. I was like, hey, uh <laughs> It's me, the guy from Wolf Parade. <laughs> You're like DMing another band account, but it's the wrong members talking to each other. And boy, that would yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, you ever heard of a little song called This Heart's Bloody. on Fire? That title yeah. was about you in advance before yeah. I knew you. <laughs> the girl reading the DM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've tried. We've tried all kinds of things like to try to get like this. There's this dude that loves Blink-182 and. I do feel like the people who love Blink-182 don't really understand our podcast, but then the people who are, like, aware of Blink-182 but also just, like, shitting on things are more of the target audience, really. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, like, there's, like, this dude that fucking loves Blink-182, and he gave uh, Sam and and me, my co-host Sam and I, our our 155 tattoos that we got uh, before our first live show. Um, And he, like, DMs us all the time. And he was like, yo, my ex-girlfriend is, like, so hot. I'm going to get her to DM Travis Barker for you because he, like, <laughs> obviously checks those ones. Uh, and and she was like, do you listen to Blink-155? And he was like, ha-ha, no. <laughs> so kind of died pretty fast. <laughs> what did he think that was? <laughs> yeah. Did he yeah. think that was another band? <laughs> like a cover band? <laughs> Yeah, it's a completely unrelated band. <laughs> they play smooth jazz. Everything's it's, at 155 BPM that they do. That's why they got the name. 
Oh, uh, Mark Hoppus's, that's another kind of pod magic, I like to call it, but uh, Mark Hoppus's side project, Plus 44, they, because they love naming their songs after the crazy musical adventures they go on, they have a song called 155 because it's 155 BPM. God uh, damn, that's so lame, dude. <laughs> that's so, oh my God. Just look at anything. Just like look around the room. <laughs> Name the song Window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's I guess a that's pretty why the song is called Coca-Cola. I don't listen to enough like dance music to know my BPMs, but I feel like 155 is a pretty normal seeming BPM. Yeah, it's like somewhat it's fast. Pretty, yeah, it's, it's fast. on the fast it's side, but, rock, it's like but it's within fast. the range of yeah, pop yeah. punk. I love how like when Definitely. when it's like because when I first started writing, I kind of like bullshitted my way into writing for Accelerator magazine, which is this like really high end electronic music publication. And I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. So I was like, <laughs> just like really trying to figure out like the differences between house and techno and stuff. And I love how all those people, it's like basically just the BPM for some of that shit. Yeah, that stuff is fascinating to me how specific those genres are. Like you can just up the BPM by like five and it's a different genre. It's like, dark hard style instead <laughs> yeah. of hard style yeah. it's so cool uh, and uh, i mean it's there, a crazy world there definitely are differences but like the the sort of uh, gradient between like goa trance and psy trance is is <laughs> it's pretty small you know and people i i'm on a lot of like uh like synth forums just for you know like if i need to figure out how to do something and people love to fucking argue with each other about about uh, genres and what is and what isn't, you know, like UK yeah, that's garage why they exist. step. It's amazing. So people can have forum arguments about it. <laughs> so, it's, it's actually like after spending all day on Twitter, it's kind of nice to go onto these forums and watch a bunch of like guy, like dumpy guys from the UK in their mid forties, early fifties, just get super angry about each other <laughs> at each other about like nomenclature, you know? It's sick. You have to respect it, definitely. I totally respect it. It's pure. It's. Uh, I think it's a pure use of the internet. <laughs> That's so true. I. That's what it was made for. Those, yeah. Those kind of things, though. I, I. In my. I think in the back of my mind, I apply those things to like pop punk or hardcore too. Because at first you're like, it all sounds the same, but then you're like, well, I guess you know he's wearing that kind of t-shirt, so this is like the Goa of pop punk and then that's the trance of pop like you can just kind of it, it still sounds yeah. the same on the surface but then you can get into the details a little bit oh, is gonna, that goa india yeah that's goa india because how be, did that come about it, it became like a uh, as an ex-colonial colony of britain it became a really popular place for people to go on their uh, what do they fucking call it the it was gap, portugal gap year oh yeah okay uh so they they'd go to like you know, it became like a hippie paradise kind of, and then they started doing raves there, and this uh, type of music called Goa Trance sprang up. That's so sick. I see. That's interesting. Yeah. All those little uh, those little colonial factories are interesting, like Macau in Hong Kong. Yep, totally. Canton, where these like little places where culture cultures would interact, these confined spaces that created a lot of cool culture. Yeah, like Singapore is kind of like that too in a weird way. Although, you know, the culture they produced was like ended up being mostly like capitalist business banking and stuff. But they can shoot you out of a cannon if you smoke a cigarette. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, they have like universal like public housing and healthcare and shit, right? Yeah. It's like a weird like 
social democratic authoritarian mix. I remember yeah. I remember hearing a BBC like a BBC interview with the I think he's the current uh PM of of Singapore and and the interviewer was kind of like giving him the gears about uh basically like Singapore's authoritarian structure, right? Like it's capitalist authoritarian. And they they used the word liberal democracy. And he just started laughing and he was like, yeah, I'm familiar with the, with your Western concept of individual liberal democracy <laughs> and just like didn't answer the question. I was like, it's pretty good. Pretty good move. Yeah. Britain kind of, uh, they kind of fucked that one up. Yeah. Well, they, because they came up with a lot of good concepts uh, for liberalism and the enlightenment and all that. And then they just went around the world pissing everyone off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And everyone thinks it means just extracting resources. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I mean, shouldn't have done that. Specifically in the case of Singapore, like, you know, the, the Brits basically used it as a, uh, you know, as like a big giant tax free trading zone. And then in, and then when the Japanese Imperial Army sort of, you know, like uh, basically coming in and, uh, you know, raising raising the city, the Brit the British left. They all left. They decamped, uh, and then after after the war was over, they came back. <laughs> you know, like they did the same thing in Burma. Like they didn't def they didn't actually defend their colonial holdings. They were just like, uh, we'll see you guys later. Like, hopefully, not all of you get decapitated. Bye. So pop punk. I wouldn't want to mess with the Japanese Imperial Army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. They were going ham there for a they while. Were. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm way too dumb for this kind of conversation. Yeah. Oh, pop punk, yeah. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, like, before we started talking about Singapore, like that I didn't really I didn't really uh clock like the micro genres of pop punk when I was a when I was like fourteen or fifteen. So I would I remember having a tape that had like Green Day's Kerplunk on one side and uh, Jawbreaker 24-Hour Revenge Therapy on the other side. And I felt like those two things hung out with each other. I thought they were – it was like the same genre, you know? I, and I like, – yeah, definitely. It was perfectly I, fine to listen to both of those things back to back. But life was so simple back then, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Because <laughs> like, Pre-internet. I feel yeah. like whenever we yeah. talk to like old heads on, on the show, they always say like, yeah, I, I know there was a difference between like The Descendants – and screeching weasel or like that's so they always make it like a coastal thing but now i feel like there's like yeah. just like anything else there's like there's people who listen to the lawrence arms and then people who still listen to like fat wreck compilations and those people have nothing in common they don't even dress the same totally. so it's i mean i guess they're just wearing a different size and style of khakis as one another but still the khaki, <laughs> the khaki style is important you know yeah <laughs> khakis are a big tent <laughs> it's true yeah, I, I mean, the, but I guess it's like all music, right? Like, I have a, a, a good friend who's really into, uh, like, free music and free improv music and stuff. And, I mean, he gets the same shit where it's kind of like it all sounds the same or whatever. But it's not about that, obviously. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, I guess what I love is just applying that form of criticism uh, to shitty things like pop punk and, and thinking of it that way and kind of treating it like it's highbrow because it seems to just make everyone mad <laughs> yeah i always had that sort of relationship with pop punk 
because I was a few t- a few years too young for it. Right. Like when I was at the primo age for pop punk, it was like oh five oh six. It was sort of on the tail end of it where you got uh, Fall Out Boy, MCR, Panic at the Disco, that kind of stuff. And later I got into the uh, earlier stuff, like Saves the Day and um, what else was there? I guess Blank. But I knew kids in high school who were like three years older than me, and they loved Blank in Green Day. That was huge for them. And I appreciated it on some level, but I, I also thought it was like, kind of ridiculous in a way yeah. because my age didn't really match up with it. So I always had like a sort of appreciation for them, but I also like, I, I realized that it was stupid very early on. And I always had that in the back of my head when I was listening to them or uh, reading about them or whatever. But then for you, what was like the gateway into like broader, whether underground or whatever, like getting into cool shit? It was Nirvana for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they do have some kind of staying why, power that's true for like decades, you know? Yeah. Like that was somewhat that true was for what me got too. got me you know? into yeah. indie and punk and uh, hardcore and all that stuff. Yeah, see, I guess maybe it's because like one of my first cultural, my first two like cultural things were The Simpsons and Mad Magazine when I was a kid. So I, I was always turned off by bands that like were so serious like that, like Nirvana or I, I feel like everyone loves Nine Inch Nails now, but I always associate them with just like people I hated in high school. And I, I always wanted it, like, for me, it was, like, those things in Weird Al, and then I was, like, trying to f- channel that into real music, but which is funny now, because I fucking hate, like, comedic music now. I think it's horrible. Yeah, it's very hard to do. Yeah, I hate it, too, even though I do it for E1 and sometimes this show. <laughs> right. I, I mean... Well, that stuff is good. I also think if, if you're doing something... If, if you hate something and you're doing it, that's a good spot to be in because you're going to make sure that it's not like, like if you're like overconfident being like, yeah, I'm fucking hilarious. Listen to this polka yeah. that I wrote or whatever. Like that's not a good vibe at all. Yeah, it's tough. I guess my opinion on that kind of stuff is it needs to have so many jokes in it. And also it has to sound right. Like it has to sound like an actual, you can't be making fun of the genre. You have to like embrace the genre you're making fun of, I guess. Totally. Yeah. And then you just have to have a lot of jokes per line. Yeah, it's true. Or like you have to understand why the genre is good in the first place. That's yeah. or why people like it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. and that's something with like uh, I guess on a, in a broader sense too. Like, unfortunately, it's just at the point where like just saying, just like saying the voice inside my head or whatever. Like just like it's just such a fucking easy punchline. So that's why every day I'm inundated with like Tom DeLonge memes or whatever, and it's just so lazy. But I think you can like really make fun of these things much more, <laughs> much more like robustly if you've spent your whole life thinking about it. Like I don't know. I yeah, guess absolutely. it's just like Blink One Eight Two is like the epitome of a normie bro band, but they also like think they're punks and kind of still are punk in a way. And so that's just like that disharmony is kind of what I'm obsessed with. Have you seen that video of them doing uh, MTV Spring Break? Yes, I love the where they're they're fucking it up. It's such a horrible performance, but I love it's it. It's so sick that they used to just like suck so bad live and play so fast and fuck everything up. And now they just on their early albums, they sounded like a local band. Exactly. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's the excitement of it. I think is like 
thinking about a local band. I, I don't know. Cause for me, I, like I mentioned my friends from a hundred earlier, there was a few bands growing up. There was a band called the WPP that were just like my friends, but I still in my brain to this day, believe they're like the greatest bands of all time. <laughs> Cause I just have like going to shows brain, I guess. Yeah. But that's the kind of the yeah. excitement of something like Blink-182 is you're like, damn, this band is like a local band. There were a lot of bands like that around me that I remember and that I do have fond memories of because they were like Blink-182 and they were inspired by Blink-182. And that's sort of the beauty of that band, that it was so amateurish in uh, an endearing way that 13-year-olds would listen to it and be like, I can do that. Yeah, that's maybe the only sense in which make a song about they poop. are like a punk band. That it's like so easy to get into and replicate, you know? People had a lot of fun trying to make Blink-182 songs. Yeah, and the other thing is like every week we watch as many covers as we can find of the songs. And it's it's super fun, actually, especially if it's a song that's like more obscure or, or a song that we hate. And then we'll watch like all these adorable little kids who've just learned how to play guitar and they're having the time of their life covering the song. And it's like, how can you be mad at that by the end, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like the... The Weezer one that we've watched where the, the kid's keyboard falls down. <laughs> Just, oh, I, lo- have you I seen love that, that video. I've watched have you seen that, that damn it so cover where there's um, an electronic drum kit and the kid's playing completely out of time? <laughs> no, I, I haven't actually. And they do the vanilla ice first. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I'll have good. to find the link for that. But yeah, it's very charming. It's like a, a drummer who's three or four years younger than the other members of the band. But he has the drum kit, and their mom lets them play them <laughs> play at the house. So he gets to be in the band, and like the guitarist doesn't know how to play, but the bassist is more enthusiastic. Oh, that's such a good video. That's the thing is being a teenager rock. It's so good. Being a teenager is so good. But that's the yeah. It's like because even though they're like about like farts or whatever or sometimes they're also about dick so let's give them credit for that but um you know the songs are like about nothing but at the same time they're so accessible and easy to remember that they've become like folk standards some of them unfortunately so it's kind of like (laughs) they just resonate so much because they're stuck in everyone's head and anyone can play them Destroying that riff. <laughs> it's so good. It's very, it's perfect. It's like they've all got the haircut where you just sort of let it grow out in a bowl cut, but you have a beanie on all the time, so it kind of warps it. Like this is the exact spirit of Blink 155. It's like every week we're just like in a different, in like ten different nondescript basements that we've all been to a million times before. <laughs> like friends that definitely hate each other now, but they were having the time of their lives covering this one weekend. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was an attic. There was a band in my town. I'm still friends with one of the guys in it. Uh, they were like a Blink 182 inspired band that was really shitty. It was a comedy band, sort of. They were pop punk, but it was just very shitty. But they had so much heart. There was so much... um, They were clearly having so much fun that you really had to love it. And they would practice in the attic. And sometimes I would hang out there after school. And it was great. That's see when great memories. When you have a practice space in the attic, that's when you pretend that you uh, can't carry gear for loading out. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good call. Bring it back around full circle. Because <laughs> my, I'm allergic to stairs. <laughs> my little brother is a sick drummer, and he all of our gear used to be up in his like attic bedroom, uh, and it was fucking awful to use. There was like a ladder we had to use to even just trying to carry like a combo amp down the ladder is fucking brutal. You had to bring a, a amp up a ladder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god, that's a commitment. <laughs> It's terrible. I love to when there's like venues in a basement and you just have to fucking deal with it. Like some weird, ratty, extremely vertical stairway. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, honestly, th- that's what I'm saying about being on both sides of the conversation. Because once you learn how these venues work, you're like, yeah, I'm going to pretend my amp's broken tonight. I'm not, <laughs> not going to deal with this shit. But then you always have to say good set to someone. And then if you work for a magazine and you say good set to someone, they remember that. And then you have to, like, fucking follow up, you know? It's like the whole... Th- I don't know. Dan, do you say good set to people when you don't mean it? Um, no. I just really try and avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're not like, trying... I only say it if I mean You're it. not trying to borrow the amp, then it's fine, but... No, I'm not, I'm not trying to borrow the amp. No. And when I was young... If you spilled when a beer I was younger, the amp, then opening, you gotta say good set. Yeah, that's... <laughs> When I was younger and opening for other bands, I would general or my band would just generally have like a hostile attitude to whoever we were opening for. So, that's and so bring our own equipment. That's so <laughs> sick. That's that's. Yeah. I always kind of, liked when people after a show like from another band would be like, "Hey, you guys are actually good." Like that was the way of distinguishing that they <laughs> actually meant it. Like, yeah, "Hey, you guys totally. were actually good. I like that." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Oh, oh my man. God. I mean, I just try to think, I guess I would try to like think in my head, like if I have to say something to them, I'll think I'll try to, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say like, oh, you had a lot of energy or something, but yeah, I just that's try like to like, it's more, more, more condescending. <laughs> exactly. You, you guys really uh, looked like you were having a lot of fun up there. Did you have fun? <laughs> you guys are yeah. having you had a good time? All right, man. Great. <laughs> nice. Those look like some really good patch cords you guys had. <laughs> yeah. Are those monster cables? Yeah. Those are really I, good cords. I can't, I can't tell you how much I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's good. Now yeah, that's that really good. good. <laughs> yeah, I've gone through phases of, like, avoiding people or just being like, hey, man, good show. Or, you know, like, I don't yeah. have any, any specific approach. I know. Like, I used to live in Calgary, and it's like, you're going to see that person no matter what. Like, you yeah. made the mistake of coming to the show. You're definitely seeing that person again, like, when you go buy cereal. 100%. So it's like, you have to say something. Although they don't say it to me. They didn't say it to me all that often. So I don't know what that means. But, you know, like, one of the I, I feel like one of the greatest experiences you can have playing, like, a local show is when another band that you don't necessarily know gets on the bill and you play together and you both like each other's bands. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's, that's like <laughs> such a cool moment. That's true. My favorite thing is the, um, the opening band that just loads out and fucking leaves after their set. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sick. I like, that makes you the closer. Yeah. <laughs> it's solipsism. If you leave after your set, that's all you know. That is the show to you. Yeah, that's right. Yes. You are the closer. The experience is over. <laughs> I feel like the, the those positives are matched in my mind by the negatives of like two bands that are completely at the same level of being unknown. One of them being one of my bands. 
and you're arguing with someone about what order you should play in when you're opening oh, for someone classic. else. And it's just like so fucking yeah. like. But there's so many ulterior motives for that. Where sometimes it's like, man, or you're using excuses too. Like, man, uh, our drummer's got to fucking work at like seven a.m. So <laughs> yes. we can't go last. We exactly. need to go in the middle of the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played here. a show with Ariel Ariel Pink in Stockholm, like when Handsome Furs was starting out, and he like jump. He got added to the bill, and uh, the show was already sold out. And he did not want to open the show, uh, so he cried. <laughs> <laughs> like Damn, his, his tour, I love him, but his, he sounds like such a prick. His tour Everything manager was like his tour manager tried to like sort of like go around the back end and like talk to the promoter and be like, okay, so Ariel will go on at like eleven p.m. or whatever, and. The promoter was like, it's not your show, so let's all talk, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. And uh, she kind of put pressure on me, and then I went out back, and he was, he was crying. And uh, oh I was God. just what? like, oh, my God, this guy, this guy uh, seems really upset and really, like, the show obviously means more to him than it does to me. So, uh, so we kept our set time the same and let him go after us, and that made him happy. Um, well, if he, that's the ultimate. Fucking, that's the ultimate. My drummer has to work to cry about it. That's yeah. like next level <laughs> chess move. Yeah. It was incredible. It was astounding. Yeah. I'm gonna Maybe try that at a local life. show <laughs> once shows exist again. <laughs> just, just start openly weeping. Yeah. Oh my god. Yo, if we can't go first, my drummer's gonna cry. <laughs> well, you don't want to see him cry because he starts like he, he starts coming out of his nose and it's just yeah. really sad. Plus, he has to work in the morning. He's gonna be all puffy if he's crying. So you know. Yeah, he has to work at 11 p.m. <laughs> Plus, he has yeah. to use this your night. drum kit because he didn't bring one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He also needs to wear your pants because he forgot <laughs> to wear pants. So uh, if we could borrow your jeans, that would be great. And if we could borrow imagine, your set list. Imagine if that worked at like Coachella or like or like Bonnaroo or something. So like you're you're playing the the you know the the third the the Monster Energy drink stage at 3 p.m. and you just cry your way through every other band on <laughs> on the bill until you're headlining. Like you're just your bottom lip is quivering as you approach like Karen O from Yeah Yeah Yeah's trip. <laughs> I wouldn't I be surprised if actually that's how Kanye got Jay-Z to sign him in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Just start crying. I've always loved imagining like a band playing at Coachella yeah. and being like, do you guys have a, do, can I borrow a patch cord or like, you know, <laughs> do you have a tuner? I have definitely done Asking that. the edge if you can borrow a Zamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do I turn off all this fucking delay also? Yeah. <laughs> can I borrow all your pedals? Yeah. I heard that the edge guitar? has... The Edge is one of those guys that has like someone under the stage playing extra stuff. I'm pretty sure, which is pretty really? sick. I, I feel like I've heard that. I don't care enough about you two to like watch their live. Sh I feel like it'd be really easy to tell as a musician whether he's doing that, but I just don't care enough to watch their. Live there's shows. also there's a theory that uh, Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy is doing that with bass too, and that he can like barely play bass. And I have noticed when he holds a bass, it's like he looks like when someone's just picking up a bass for the first time. Like at the music store. I've seen you post stuff about that, and <laughs> yes. I never, I never, I never noticed it before. But I think the last thing you posted, I was like, "Holy shit, this guy, it, he doesn't know how to play bass." It's, it's, it's kind of incredible. <laughs> I mean, if you if you can get away with that, more power to you. I mean, he has yeah. a signature bass, and he, I don't think he knows how to play it. Is it a self playing bass? Have you, have you played it? Is. He has one of those ones where it's like they strip out all the all the like switches and stuff so it's just like the one knob 
but I think it, there's makes a very small sense. man inside the bass playing <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys like gearheads? Uh, I think Dan is. Not really. I'm sure Dan I hate is. gear, but I do know about. I'm gear. like a medium gear guy, where I like certain gear, but I don't like obsess over it. But I do need to have certain things, and I sucker myself into buying things I don't need for sure. Yeah, I'm. I just use the computer. It's cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it's, me too. Like it's a smart move. I always just used to plug straight into my amp, and then people around me would like kind of. I I was the dumb guy in that sense, and then people would force me to make it sound better whenever we were recording <laughs> or whatever. But but now that I, like now I just have like a focus right in my computer, and like I can't believe how good even just the GarageBand amps sound and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, that technology's yeah. gotten way better for sure. It's kind of ridiculous, like because I, I mean I just remember when everyone used to shit on line sixes when i was a kid and i'm like okay well line six sucks now i know you need to buy all analog shit but i don't know it sounds pretty tight those were fine as long as you didn't turn it too insane yeah right. yeah you gotta stay away from the insane switch <laughs> but every kid <laughs> wanted to put touch it on the switch. insane and they put reverb all the way up and then they would start playing like really percussive metal stuff and drop d is that yeah. actually and it would just sound like the worst thing. I ever. thought you were joking. Was there an actual insane switch? Yeah, it's the top one. Yes. You have like you have like uh, <laughs> overdrive, distortion, insane. It was basically metal zone distortion. Yeah, oh but with God. no Very settings, trivial. you couldn't adjust it in any way. It's just a button you turn on and off. <laughs> yeah, it was either all the way up or off. I still insane, have a little practice Joker. amp over there that has it. I need to start using that. I, I just can't believe, like, the because the, my dad is, like, more of a gearhead, and he was like, make sure you don't get the iRig. Make sure you get the focus right. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what you're talking about. But yeah, it focus sounds, right is really good. It's crazy. Like, I've, I is, never like, want to uh, own an amp again. of, like, a simple, like, cheap interface, for sure. It's sick. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I could never be bothered to learn about I just don't like reading. Like, I don't like watching tutorial videos or, like, reading shit about that. And then someone's talking about, like the frequencies and all that shit but it was like when i was so i didn't really start playing guitar till i was in high school and by that point i already liked like cool music so it was like i had to have like interpol's delay pedal you know what i mean right so it was like by the time i started playing i already needed that i was like oh i gotta get that and so i always from the beginning was into that i guess yeah see i was i was like raised i was raised on like uh i just remember like hearing ian mckay say that he just plugs straight into his amp and that's like the only thing about fugazi that i still like is that sentence <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically I, I was never a gearhead for guitars like uh and i i don't think i am still like i i'm a gearhead for synths but but definitely not for guitars like the first two North American t Wolf Raid tours, I was using a PV Bandit and a Dan Electro, uh, and I don't even think I had a tuning pedal. Oh, well, man. Did you tune by ear? Were you like, yo, play, a, I would, play your A string? I would, I would tune to Spencer's keyboard was a, uh, like, Jupiter 4, Roland Jupiter 4, which now is like a you know super like sought after like analog synth, but at the time we were just like okay, this is the thing that we have that does keyboards, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think he got it for like twenty five dollars from like a pawn shop in Penticton, and uh, <laughs> pretty good. And they're worth you know, they're worth like you know four grand or whatever. Wow. But the th but the thing with it is is it's it's an analog synth from the early eighties that weighs a ton that we didn't have a case for that we wrapped in a sleeping bag and it would go out of tune and I would just tune to the synth. 
So, like, depending on how the synth was feeling, like, that was where my guitar was at. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sick. Yeah. In a sense, that's actually yeah. smarter because if you were perfectly in tune and he wasn't, it would sound worse. So you might as yeah, well exactly. just do it that way, you know? Yeah, but we'd both, like, go out of tune over the course of the set. Like, we realized if yeah. uh, if the synth got hot, it would just <laughs> start glitching out. <laughs> so when we, when we played at Coachella in 2006 or 2007... The, we we only ended up playing like twenty minutes of our set because his his keyboard just went completely berserk. You should have asked. Oh, you should have asked to borrow a synth backstage. Yeah, I think I borrowed a patch. I know that I borrowed a patch cord for sure because mine broke. <laughs> that's so. <laughs> Very, that's why I use the computer. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, the computer is way better. I I didn't have a. Yeah. I didn't get a, a tuner until like a few years ago when my frequent bandmate in Calgary bought me one for my birthday because I always would just tune by ear my whole life. Um, so much so that when I was like a teen, I would just. I knew that the opening song of Sea Change by Beck started with an E chord. So I would just, I associate that song, the <laughs> golden age, just with on tuning my guitar to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, well, so is tuning, really, I think. Yeah. It's a drag, man. I think the secret to guitar pedals that people don't realize is get a compressor. Yeah. Compressor into an amp with a little bit of overdrive, you're perfect. It depends on how you People play have, the, like, a chorus and a delay and a tuner and, like, all this stuff, and they won't have a compressor. But I think it's because you like cleaner that'll music. That'll change it. And you like arpeggiating stuff, and that's, like, good for, like, clean arpeggios and stuff for sure. But if you're playing just heavily distorted, like, chords, you don't really need a compressor. Yeah, the distortion compresses it already. Yeah. But uh, we're in danger here, Josiah, of just turning into your show where we could talk for three hours. So yeah, I mean, we're gonna I mean, have to. Um, I'm just warming up, baby. We're just gonna leave the people with these <laughs> tuning tips. And uh, yeah, back to the tips. It's in E major, yeah. so you're set. Just put that shit on. <laughs> yeah. Save your uh, save yourself for that three ninety nine buying that fucking uh, tuner app for your phone, right? <laughs> exactly. You know? Not only that, but just, uh, uh, <laughs> you'll be free of thetans if you put on that back album too. So it's great. You can just yeah. go, yeah, go clear. That, listening to that three or four times a day clears you completely. <laughs> also, like if you start a band, uh, that could be your walk-on music for every show just because you're actually tuning to it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Josiah, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. God bless. Yeah.